right, guys. Hello and welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 32. Today, we're uh, fortunate enough to have Matthew Soika from New Temp Mechanical Systems in the house. Um, New Temp Mechanical Systems. We're going to learn a lot about them, but really, we're going to learn about Matt today. So again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, can't believe it's been 32 episodes. Uh, we're starting a new year, so we're in 2022 now. Um, you know, a lot to reflect on from last year, but really, you know, the, the giving back from, from the people that are coming on the show is just amazing. And today, uh, we're fortunate enough to see what Matt has to say. So welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, you know, new temp is, is a name in our industry, which is the plumbing and HVAC industry, which is, which is massive. Um, but the nice thing is, is as I got to know Matt a little bit about his story today, um, and how he got started in the industry. He's the vice president of New Temp. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought the story was fantastic, just kind of working his way up through the ranks. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about that. So tell us a little bit about New Temp and what, uh, what you guys do, where you're from. New Temp's been around 39 years. We've got a founder, David McMichael, who's, um, you know, as he's aging, he's trying to do less, not more. That's kind of the motto for yeah. you know the next couple <laughs> years and uh he's done an, an incredible job i think um solidifying new temp in in the marketplace i mean we we cater to more of a niche area you know the hospitals and long-term cares um you know our real forte is air handlers and chillers cooling towers things like that it's we don't get a lot into new builds it's it's typically retrofit so he's, he's done a really good job positioning us for success. And I mean, even from a personal standpoint, um, almost like a father figure to me and an incredible mentor. I mean, without David, I would never, never have the opportunities I've been afforded there. So that's, um, yeah. you know, I was, I was really lucky in that aspect. And we're, you know, I think right now we're 56 or 57 in the field. I mean, you, I mean, you know how it is. It fluctuates on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis. Um, and 16 or 17 in the office. And again, that's changing. We're, we're looking to have a couple key hires here in the next few weeks to oh, shore up the leadership team and, say, uh, you know, push off into the rest of the year. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I reached out to Matt um, through LinkedIn. And as we connected, just one of the things that kind of blew me away is the immediate um, opportunity to come check out the space. You know, uh, from, from an industry to industry kind of connection, it's so amazing how generous people can be. And I came and checked on your office and boy, do you have something running there? Um, you know, the office was tight. The shop was awesome. Uh, where you guys, you, you know, you were talking about the development of it, how it's like, okay, we had our, our fab shop like this at one point, And then we figured out how to make that efficient rotation with some of the materials you were using. Yeah. It's like, it's like anything there's growing pain. So we initially got into it and it, Look, there's, there's all kinds of ways to build a fab shop. You go out, you could lease millions of dollars worth of equipment and come out and, and try to recover all those costs. So uh, the way New Temp did it was a little different. It was, let's get a, a piece of equipment here and a piece of equipment there, make sure the timing was right, not overextend ourselves. For sure. And as the shop grows and things materialize, you start to realize like, okay, there's a more efficient way to do this. Yeah, okay, last year we bought this piece of equipment, we put it here, but it really it doesn't fall into place with the rest of the equipment. So as we've grown and, you know, got new tooling, um, 
you know, there's been a couple versions of the shop laid out. And right now, like you said, it's, it's pretty tight right now. We're getting a fair bit of productivity, which is, which yeah. is nice, right? Cause without productivity, nobody's employed. Yeah. That McDonald's standard, right? You know, flipping it around and making those adjustments. It's, uh, it's really cool to see like in an industry where, you know, there's a lot of labor costs involved in, in, in the end product. It's, it's huge. Like it is, that's your biggest uncontrollable unforeseen going into jobs whether it be a guy gets sick or he leaves and then you're trying to bring somebody new into the project so for us um obviously the, the sheet metal fabrication is a huge part but trying to get into the plumbing prefabrication and even the bim and and for you can go down a rabbit hole with that stuff like it is it's overwhelming you don't know what to do and for us we didn't even know where to start and where we thought we needed to start yeah. We weren't even close. So uh, fortunately enough, we're part of a peer group. Um, you know, we're the only ca Canadian contingency within that group. But a lot of those guys got really established prefabrication on the plumbing side, not so much a sheet metal, but on, on the mechanical side and really established BIM departments. And they were instrumental in us getting both up and off the ground. They said, look, you can't go out and, and spend $100,000 on tooling. They said, start small bag and tag, even if you're bringing materials into the shop and let's say you're doing a condo. He says, okay, you bag everything. This is going to suite 302. And it gets shipped off to suite 302 and the guys know, look, here's the drawing. There's all the components you need to complete the rough end for yeah. that suite. So it was kind of those baby steps and it gives you an opportunity to really wrap your head around the whole thing. It's, you know, it's that old adage. It's really hard just to jump right into the pool, right? And be able to get your bearings and understand what's <laughs> yeah. going on. You know, so we started off small, again, with the guidance from those guys. And, and for us, it's been instrumental. And we're, and we're still continuing to, to develop it. It's no, we don't have it down to a science by any means. There's yeah. still hiccups and speed bumps. There's no, there's no finish line for it. No, not, not, not at the rate the industry is changing, right? Like every, it's, yeah. you know, you think you get your head back above water and all of a sudden it's like, well, if we make this modification, we can, you know, save this, do this. It's, uh, it's always evolving. So, yeah. And, and they're, they're taking that into the building world and the industry. Yeah. at such rapid speeds. And, uh, you know, for any industry, you know, listeners out there like talking about if, if you haven't been to the CMPX show in Toronto, that is just a wicked show when it comes down to some of the new equipment coming out and some of the tech coming out. And then there's KBIS who, you know, if you're fortunate enough to go to Vegas or Orlando, which is the Kitchen Bathroom International show, uh, they also have a design component. But like some of the technology and some of the efficiencies that they're coming out with, not just for, you know, end product, but install, um, you know, I'm sure on the air handler side, you, you've got a ton of, you know, pre-engineered and, and fabbed, you know, panels and in sections that you can kind of you know plug and play rather than before where you'd have to bring in a welder or yeah so right now we've been big into the knockdown air handler marketplace okay. so we're getting you know we just did a, a couple down at a fairly prolific toronto hospital and hundred thousand cfm air handlers and the each air handler was on 40 skids and we had to take it up to the mechanical room you know overnight because you're you're traveling through the hospital there's no direct route yeah and guys are taking it in in sing, single components and then you know over the course of a week you're assembling this thing from ground up in place like re really similar to lego right you put the base down walls go up you bring the fans in the roof goes on and then it's um 
you know, it, it's a science. And, and fortunately enough for us, we've got a team who kind of embraces that that work as well, who's bought into doing those units because if the guys aren't bought into doing those units, it just goes sideways right out of the gate. The assembly's never right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of segue this later, but one of the things I got to mention so I don't forget is, is that time-lapse video you sent me. Yeah, so that's that's from, that's from that project. So it's... Um, yeah, so th these guys did an incredible time lapse not only you know from the end product and how cool it was but the cleanliness and also like the reality of how it got put together i thought was just awesome and it's, it's up on their website which i'll we'll put in the in the comments below but you gotta check it out it's pretty badass yeah and listen that's uh that's a testament to our team like without those guys not, not they're the cog that turns the wheel right nothing happens and you know, there was, uh, with that one specifically, there was some uh, long days and some hard nights there. There was, you know, you can't understand the nuances of it just by the time-lapse video. The time-lapse video makes it look easy, and it's <laughs> it's not. It's not easy to do no, that? No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> so, uh, you know, talking about new temp, talking about team, how did you get involved? How did you get started? Um, you know, I know a little bit about your career and your path, but... You know, I was blown away with uh, just kind of the drive you had going into your industry and and really excelling. I don't Where, know. Where'd you start? You know, so I'm not getting into. You know, I was. Uh, my mom always used to say I was an underachiever, right? <laughs> really good grades in school and stuff, and I was doing nothing, just more interested in having a good time. So my parents, you know, I went to three schools in three years and didn't complete anything. My parents finally said, like, look, get a real job or you got to move out. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do here? I, I can't afford to move out. So I got an apprenticeship with a company called uh, Entertech up in Kitchener. And uh, at the time, I still wasn't very mature. You know what I mean? I was just uh, going back and forth to Kitchener every day, and the drive was just so long and monotonous. And at the time, I was making $9 an hour. So it was basically the money, if I worked a whole week, was enough just to cover fuel, insurance, and put 25 bucks in my pocket. I'm like, what yeah. am I doing with my life? Like, this is... So I got laid off there because, you know, my uh, my track record for showing up wasn't very good. And that was probably the best thing for me because it really forced me to take a good look and say, if I'm going to go this route, you know, it was, a, it was a sheet metal apprenticeship. I've got to show more commitment. So I was able to get an apprenticeship then or continue my apprenticeship with a company called Kern Mechanical. Um, okay. He's not around anymore, but he was out of Burlington at the time and they were doing a lot of work with Bennett and all the wastewater treatment plants. So uh, I had exposure to, you know, the real technical side of sheet metal really early on in my apprenticeship, which kind of set the foundation for everything else. Because it's one, once you understand that from the technical standpoint, it's easy to get into the smaller, later commercial stuff. So, I mean, and, and I can remember, you know, I go, I go to trade school, I come out of trade school and my journeyman's like, okay, you measure all this up. And I'm like, yeah, I got this. I got it. So I measure everything. And it was the pumping station for one of these places. And the duck was big, whatever it was, five foot by five foot or oh, wow. six foot by six foot. You know, I'm, I'm hot. I'm hot out of trade school. I'm going to do everything by the book. You know, I'm ordering all the elbows, full throat radius. So this tractor trailer is backing up to the job site. He's like, okay, here's our delivery. I'm like, what do you mean? Here's our delivery. He's like, that's all the stuff you ordered. And uh, they open up the gates on the truck 
And the ductwork's so big, you can't even get it into the door of the building because of the way I ordered it, right? I should have ordered like, you know, 30 degree elbows for the 90. So I'll never forget, like we, we couldn't get it out of the truck fast enough. And we had a guy with an excavator squashing these six foot by six foot 90. So I always wow. tell everybody like, you're, you're going to make mistakes, right? It's just, you know, making sure you're, you're humble about it. I came out of that gate so hot and thought I knew everything about sheet metal at the time. And, yeah. Oh, I'm the best. You know, I did good in trade school and it was a, it was a very humbling experience, but those are the types of experiences that kind of mold you, right? Like had I not made that mistake, who knows where things would have materialized to. So I was at Kern for, oh God, five or five or six years. And then you know, his, his tenure with Bennett and, and all the wastewater treatment plants and water uh, purification plants was kind of coming to an end. So I got laid off there and out of necessity, I kind of started my own business overnight. I'd always been doing side work and, you know, things materialized and, and it got moving and I kind of got into having a business partner a little bit and things started uh, going awry and, and long story short, he wasn't the greatest person to be in business with. So I kind of severed ties and then went to work for a company called Medwin Mechanical. And yeah. uh, I worked there with Sid and Matt for, uh, I think, six years. And I kind of plateaued there and there was no real more further opportunity for growth. And that's just, it's one of those things, right? Like you can't, you can't go everywhere and have an expectation that you're going to grow to the top. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So I uh, left Medwin and kind of took, um, at the time I took uh, four or five months off. We were building a house at the time, took four or five months off to kind of, you know, work at the house and stuff, did that. And then now I got to go back to work out of necessity. Yeah. So I just kind of started throwing resumes out and, and New Temp was the first one that bit. And I went to work for New Temp in the field. And at first I'm like, oh my gosh, this place is awful. But every day I work there, I'm like, Wow the guys in the field here are the best, like the best group of guys. And it was really growing on me. And then I'd been trying to get off the tools and get a project management job, but everybody kept saying, you don't have enough experience on the mechanical side. You never see sheet metal guys go from sheet metal into project management. So I got a call from a guy I know, and he says, look, over at Hager Industries, says, we need a sheet metal worker on staff. He's like, we know that you want a plumbing apprenticeship, so they're going to give you the plumbing apprenticeship. You're going to make full rate, full pop, like journeyman rate. Mm -hmm. And you could do that. So I went over to Hager, like, so I guess I got to backtrack. So when I put in my resignation at New Temple, I gave him the two weeks. So Friday's my last day. It's whatever, 5.30 or 6 o'clock. There's an issue on the one job I'm working on. So I go to the shop to drop paperwork off. And coincidentally, David was there. So I'm having a conversation with him. And I said, you guys got a little bit of a problem on this job you know, the consultant's gone and eliminated the curb from this unit and he wants to set it on structural ear, uh, structural steel. I said, the issue is it's not an actual makeup air unit. They're using uh, the outdoor air and the curb as a mixing plenum before it goes across the coil. So the return air is coming up into the bottom, mixing with the outdoor air, then pushing over. I said, so if you eliminate this curb, you're gonna have a huge problem on your hands. And, I think at the time David said, no, no, I, I don't, I disagree with what you're saying. And I basically said, look, sir, with all due respect, this is my last day here. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be telling you this information. I encourage you to read this because I think you're going to change your opinion. I, I left. So uh, luckily I was right. And in, in one of the instances I actually knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So that resonated with him. And then I fast track, I'm, I'm with Hager and there was a, uh, 
the old installation manager calls me and says, hey, do you want the project manager job over here? Oh, really? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I, I'm in. Right. So at the time, it was, uh, I took a $50,000 a year pay cut. Yeah. You know, making that journeyman field money uh, to get my foot in the door for something. I mean, my uh, my wife wasn't pleased. It, d- it didn't go over well, right? Because you go from living a certain lifestyle and it's not like you're talking a $10,000 a year pay cut where it's major, major, major dollars. So that didn't sit well with her, but I said to her, you know, short-term loss for long-term gain. And I kind of worked my way up at the ranks at New Temp. I was a PM and then senior PM and then whatever it was, three or four years ago, David came to me, took me for lunch and he says, look, I, this is where I see you going. How do we get you there? And, um, you know, cause I was still rough on the edges and what they said was he had me start working with a coach and it was, we don't want to you to lose your edges because that's what's going to make you successful. They said, we just want to soften the edges a little bit. So between that and, and having a couple kids, it's, uh, it's softened my edges slightly, but I mean, you know, you, you've got to have some edge in business because if you don't, you get walked all over and taken advantage of. And it's, you know, when you're, when you're making decisions that aren't always the popular decisions, you've got to have those edges to kind of, you know, not get beat up about it. Yeah, for sure. It's an amazing story. And like, uh, you know, for anyone listening out there talking about, you know, the ups and downs and, and, you know, even the pay cuts, but also the kind of taking that humble approach to say like, you know, I'm willing to take a step back to take three steps forward. Um, you know, we call it the slingshot over here, which is like, you know, set yourself up, you know, prepare, prepare, prepare. And then, you know, your trajectory is a lot faster and a lot more direct, um, you know, more of a sniper approach. And I think, you know, it just goes to show how vast this industry is. You know what I mean? You can start off as someone that's, you know, maybe off to the wrong foot, not coming in, driving an hour, getting laid off to, you know, running a company that's extremely successful, you know, knowing the guys and being able to connect with them and also having a little bit of that grit or what you'd say, the sharp corners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you, you've got to have a journey, but it's, you got to remember your journey's never going to be defined. Mm -hmm. You want to go from point A to point B. Great. You could lay out a roadmap, but like I say to everybody, there's 10 ways to get to Montreal. doesn't matter how you get there. doesn't matter how long it takes because everybody's got their own journey, whether it takes five years or, or 10 years or 15 years. That's just your journey. Just because someone else has done it in five or three or 12 years, you, I'm not big into the comparative game like that. Like you take your own journey, enjoy the journey because I'm guilty of not enjoying a lot of the steps along the way. It was always like, I get there and I don't enjoy it. I'm like, okay, what's next? How do I get there next? Right. So, um, my coach is good at, at humbling me as well and reminding me, you know, there's a lot of hard work to get where you are in instances and, and you've got to, you have to remember those things. Yeah, for sure. When you talk about coaching, let's, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that. I, I mean, um, myself got a coach a couple of years ago. It just changed my life for, for so much, so many positive reasons. How did you find, uh, you know, adapting that into your daily life? Uh, really changed my approach to difficult conversations and really listening more instead of speaking. So, you know, there, there would be a situation and 
you know, I got, I got to deal with something. And I'm just like, this is how it is. That's it. Not interested in hearing anything else. Want the conversation to be 30 seconds. It's over, done. We're moving on, right? Now that doesn't always work for everybody. So it's making sure I'm listening. There's circumstance, whatever it may be, but hearing the other person's side of the story and actually listening, not just sitting there thinking, okay, here's my response as soon as you're done, but actually listening to what they're saying, right? <laughs> and I mean, active listening was... Um, it, it, it's not easy to start doing, especially when I, I had never done it before, right? So that was uh, a big learning curve for me. And um, yeah, she was just good at, at working with me, softening my edges, uh, identifying strengths. Like, look, here we know what these strengths are. Now let's talk about your weaknesses. What can we do to support you in development of the weaknesses, right? So there was a bunch of stuff we identified and, you know, we worked yeah. towards towards strengthening those things up, you know, making me, um, you know, she calls me a leader. I wouldn't call myself a leader by any means, but working towards, you know, being someone that, that's fit for a leadership type role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard a, a thing the other day. It was, it was you know, just an opinion. It was, you know, double down on your strengths, identify your weaknesses and, and get support with them. And, uh, you know, I love that strategy. And I, and I mean, it comes, at certain certain situations, you can't you can't run from the weakness. You have to create the strength through it, and I think that's a it's a great approach, especially when in your business and and you know you say you're not a great leader. I tell you right now, I'm sure you are. Um, just because of which is the next question is, you know, the team. You know, you came in, you said the guys were great. That's where you thought you know getting into leadership would be great at New Temp. How important is a solid team foundation, and also. What do you guys do or what do you do to continue that strength and build on it? The last two years has been a nightmare to build on it because anytime we have anything planned, it goes awry, right, with COVID. So, I mean, in the summer, we wanted a barbecue, couldn't have a barbecue. So we did um, barbecue boxes, did a drive through. Everybody came and got them. We distributed them. You yeah. know, made sure we talked to everybody, just trying to do what we can. Yeah. You know, and even we had a big... Uh, Christmas event planned and we were going to do, you know, something different. Typically we would do lineup tables. Everybody sits down, eats, you know, it's cordial. There's no real interaction. Like the sheet metal guys sit with the sheet metal guys. The girls from finance sit together. The project managers sit together. The plumbers sit together. There's no real interaction. It defeats the purpose. So we thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the candy cane Olympics. We picked like four <laughs> games. So one of them was cool. It was a home run derby with a big plastic candy cane and they got to hit marshmallows over a fence. So there was some stuff like that. And there was no, there was no formal seating, just a couple like um, high boy tables and a, and a big grazing table. But, yeah. you know, Omicron started going rampant right before and we just felt the responsible thing to do as an employer was say, okay, we're, we're going to park this until we can do it not everybody's worried about oh for sure you know, running rampant through the company so that's it it's been a struggle it's so hard like because you want to get the team out you want to do the team bonding exercises um you know we're we're in between uh hr managers right now we're working on hiring one right now it's one of the key kind of components we're looking to add to the leadership team yeah um you know, and, and that individual spearheads a lot of those kind of elements. I mean, we were doing uh, the charity golf tournament every year, which was a huge turnout. So what we would say, so we get participation out of the guys in the field. We say, look, there's um, draws and raffles and stuff. 
I think there was 20 or 30 tickets in a book. If you sell a book, you get to come golf for free at the tournament, right? Okay. That was that was the deal, right? So the guys aren't worried about paying out of pocket because I mean the foursomes aren't inexpensive. Like the vendors and all these guys, they're they're ponying up a fair bit of money, and then we take all the proceeds. Um, and would donate it. We would do anything from make a wish to Habitat for Humanity and stuff. And I think, you know, for us, those are great organizations. They do amazing things. I find that um, because the scale of our donation isn't like this mind boggling number, we became a number with them. Like it was almost like they were put off. They're like, yeah, well, we'll support you in whatever way you need at the tournament. But they'll come tournament day and they were supposed to send five people and we get one or two and they, and they show up late. So, uh, moving forward, we're going to target some more local, uh, smaller organizations where we could probably see our money do, or, you know, all our clients and vendors money, all the donations do more work. Yeah. And that's a huge thing that we talk about in business a lot is, is you know, um, it, it's really easy to write a check and, and send out money, but it's, you know, some of the big organizations, they got big overhead too, right? Like just because they're non-for-profit doesn't mean people aren't making money with it. Um, you know, as there's more challenges with, you know, whether it's cancer research or, or diabetes or, you know, the, the laundry list is endless um, of organizations looking for funding, um, you know, hospital schools, everything. Um, one of the, the huge things that we found awesome is, is go into your staff and ask them, you know, what local organizations are you guys part of and do any of them need donations? And we found that that flipped the switch question instead of, Hey, what's, let's go out there. Let's, we turned back and looked at our staff and said, you know, what's going on internally. Um, and we got some great responses. We ended up uh, doing something down to the North end um, this year, which is like full volunteer run. Um, you know, there's no paid staff. It's out of a church um, and they do, uh, you know, food and supplies for like pretty much anyone that needs it in, in the community though. Like, you know, they can do a community drop box. And it's uh, it's awesome, but it's hard being like you know being felt like you are a number when uh, when you're really bringing your team together and your vendors together, and you don't feel like you know you're, you're trying to make no one feel like a number. Um, so yeah, I totally understand what you're saying with that. Yeah, it's you know so we'll we'll reevaluate. Actually, we we interviewed an HR candidate the other day, and that's what she had said. She really? does stuff like that monthly. They'll do small things. Like I don't know, she said before they were doing bake sales and all these other things, and it would always be something local that somebody from within the organization suggested. That's said, awesome. Oh, that sounds sounds pretty cool. So we've talked about where you are, where you were, where are you going? <laughs> what's uh oh that's a loaded question. Yeah, what's uh you know, you're talking to me about uh, just before about building a house and and, and building a family, like, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what some of your goals are and, and how you're, you know, I, I hate to talk about the pandemic, but how we're moving out of this pandemic and, and getting into some, some kick-ass times. Yeah, so the, the family life has been, um, I don't want to call it, not a struggle, that's not the right word. It is very difficult to be in this type of role and have work-life balance. Like it's very hard because even when you're supposed to be off, you're on. I can hear the, the yeah. ears tingling through the camera right now with all the listeners being like, you know, oh yeah. It is. Like it's you're, tough. Si you're sitting at home on a Saturday night and just you see something on TV or you're reading something that triggers something and all of a sudden, you know, I'm making a note on my phone or I'm sending myself an email. Yeah. Look at this or hey, I gotta I gotta go circle back and read this article, whatever it may be. So I I mean for me, family life. 
one of my goals for this year is to be more present. I got two young kids and it's making sure that, you know, I'm around, that I'm not this, uh, just this guy that comes and sleeps at the house like a hotel, right? So <laughs> yeah. I make sure I'm home for bath and shower time every night. And it's, uh, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard because so much has to go back in to the business. So, you know, I, I'm young still. I'm trying to make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. Uh, in the same token, I'm not getting any younger. I mean, I'm 40 next month, so it's... Uh, there you go. Yeah, so, but the, the pandemic's been hard. We had multiple vacations booked, and, you know, like, we're actually supposed to be in Mexico today. Come on. So, uh, but we, we pulled the plug on it three weeks ago, I think, just said, you know, it's probably not the right time to travel. Well, we are hoping maybe things opened up a little more. Mm-hmm. So we didn't go, such as life, but we'll reschedule at a later date. You know, yeah. Down there and, and relax. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's a huge topic. Um, you know, how do you plan, I guess the segue to that, how do you plan your day? Um, you know, what does a day in the life of Matt, Matt look like? And, and how are you, you know, how do you attack some of those challenges that come up? So for me right now, like I'm, I've always been the early bird gets the worm that's my okay. mom always used to say that right so any given day i'm getting up anywhere between 2 30 and 4 a.m jeez so and there's days i'm at my desk you're making the rock look bad there's days I, i'm at my desk for 4 a.m but it's there's just during the day there's so much going on and i'm, I'm trying to support so many other people that the things that i need to get done mm-hmm. they get put onto the back burner okay so for me my actual mo- my most productive time is getting into the office early. I'm the freshest. And, you know, a lot of people look at a commute as a nuisance or a hindrance. For me, on the way in, it's quiet time. I could plan my day. I do some of my best critical thinking yep. during that time. You know what I mean? There's mornings. And there's, there's other mornings I listen to a podcast. We we're talking about podcasts or I listen to a TED Talk. Or there's other mornings I say, okay, I'm just, I need a relaxed morning here. I put on iTunes and, and just drive, right? And then even coming home provides me an opportunity uh, to decompress a little bit. I mean, you know, some days are heavy. And it's like, if <laughs> if I had a five minute drive home, I'd probably come home and, and be a little bit of a monster, right? Like miserable. Um, so it provides me an opportunity to decompress. So I'm usually in the office early. I, I like to schedule all my meetings early. I know a lot of people don't like that, but I'm like, Come on, let's hit the ground running. Let's get this stuff out of the out of the way, and then we go on our way. And you know, for me, um, I pick up the kids two days a, a week from daycare and stuff, so I got to duck out early because, you know, I'm going from Mississauga to Fenwick, so I mean, but that's okay. You know, so my my days are usually my week meeting wise is planned out two weeks at a time. Like if I look Love at that. my calendar for next week, yeah. Any, anywhere between 8 and 2 a.m. will be almost blocked off every day. And it's, you know, it's, it's stuff you got to be available for that you got to put effort into. Because along with the day-to-day operations, you, you know how it is. The phone's ringing, this is going on, that's going on. You got to make time for the business development side of things. Whether totally. it's, you know, we started working with an executive advisor and he says, okay, here's all the areas we need to target that we need work. Yes, there's all kinds of elements that are great about the company, but let's look at this stuff. One of the things we we said was, okay, 
the knock maybe is the culture a little bit. So we worked hard for the last two years to change a culture and make sure we were evolving with the times. Because, you know, being an employer is far different today than it was five years ago, than it was 10 years ago, than it was 20 years ago. Oh, for sure. So if, you, if you're not evolving and staying current with the needs of the candidates coming in, you're never going to retain any good talent. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's a really great point. Um, you know, the talent pool's got a lot of options these days. And uh, and as they should, right? And, and, you know, we always say give them all the tools to leave and give them a reason to stay. Um, and, you know, I think that holds true to to a quality company that's that's a long-term thinker, right? You have to. If you're, if you're not putting back into your employees, there's no – you can't move forward on anything. And the other thing we encourage is – if you really want to move forward, you have to have a successor and the best successors come from within the organization. So, you know, let's say I'm, I'm working with a PM and he's aspiring to be a senior PM. Okay. So if you're our go-to guy on all these hospital projects right now, who's going to be prepared next to step into your shoes? Yes. A huge part of that transition and and that segue comes from me supporting the other individual, but it's also got to come from that individual, ensuring that the role they're going to depart has a competent person to fill it. Totally, and 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 allowing time to uh, to train and and, uh, and mentor them. Yeah. So then you know, think about yourself. You know, you turn forty in a month, which is badass. What what would you give your advice to that twenty year old you that might be? Missing a couple of days up in Kitchener there. Oh, lots. <laughs> <laughs> buy uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> that would be the first one. Well, maybe not now. But buy it and have sold it already. Uh, I think kind of what I said earlier, just you got to enjoy the journey. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not perfect. You need the ups and downs because... It's the downs and the, and the low points and the speed bumps or hiccups, whatever you want to call them, that allow you to learn from those mistakes to move forward. Like mm -hmm. if it was, it, listen, if, if it was all easy, you know, and you just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you could achieve it in two days. Everybody would be doing it, right? And it would be it would, like, it just, it doesn't work, right? So learning me learn from your mistakes I and mean, it's not too often i make the same mistake twice but uh making sure i learn from that yeah and just enjoying the journey yeah uh it's uh you know looking back and being able to you know get humbled by some of that but also understanding that you know that path is now okay let's look forward 20 years and what would that person tell ourselves now right and 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 get a little bit of uh insight on that well thanks so much for being on the podcast matt um you know it just love hearing about the inspirational journeys throughout the industry i think is uh is a little bit less told and, and i think your story is fantastic thanks um so guys you know at the end of the podcast we always ask ourselves these questions you know why not me why not now you know take that leap take that risk um you know matt is a great example of just leadership and and really taking taking opportunities as it's given but also you know understanding that that next generation has got to be there too to support your your future goals which is probably you know an exit in out of the industry when the time comes and that you know it needs to keep running so um 
So guys, uh, New Temps website, all their information is going to be uh, just in the link below. Um, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I can't believe uh, it's been 32 episodes, but Matt's making it a special one today. So. It's an accomplishment. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Boom. Boom.